Welcome back, everyone. I know that it has been longer than anticipated for the next episode, and I truly apologize for that. I've struggled with some health issues the past month, and recently it was something that needed to be addressed enough that it kept me away from the podcast and other activities. However, in the process of taking care of my health, God spoke to me and reminded me of why this particular episode is so important. We've explored several areas of what it means to feel the essence of home, and hopefully you have identified areas that resonate with you, possibly the need to feel wanted or like you are enough, the need to laugh and have fun or feel incredible comfort in the middle of the storm. Or perhaps today's topic will draw you close. We're going to discuss what it feels like to know you have a true partner in life, If it seems you are alone or isolated, or you're taking everything on yourself, what would it mean to you to know that you always have a partner in Christ? I spent several days in the ICU recently, and let me draw you a picture of what this felt like. There was a pod, an octagon-shaped section of the hospital, which only had two rooms in it. Now inside the pod, inside one of the rooms, it was just me. If you opened my door, you had to go through a second door just to get to the hallway. Then there was a long corridor that separated me from the nurse's station. I was being monitored from there, so they were able to tell if my heart wasn't working well or if my oxygen needed to be increased, so I was safe. But unless they were tending to myself or my neighbor, the room outside of mine was dark and there was absolutely no noise except the slow whisper of the oxygen machine. I could not have visitors. It was difficult to talk on the phone for more than a few minutes at a time because it hurt so badly. And usually there was nothing on the TV that was worth watching, and my eyes did not want to adjust to the pages in my book. I spent some time crying, and several moments were lost just gazing out the window. I knew that rest was needed, but I wanted so badly to go home. And here we are, circling back to the idea of home. What was it I was longing for? All of it. I wanted to feel comfort and laughter. I wanted silliness and sweetness and adventures. I wanted to put on makeup and wash my hair and wear something other than a Johnny. You know, some real clothes. I wanted to feel pretty and useful and normal. Instead, day after day went by inside that room. If that wasn't enough, medical professionals made clear to me that when the ambulance brought me in, I was moments away from either a collapsed lung or possibly cardiac arrest. Some part of me wondered if I would ever leave that room. I've been in isolation before, two and a half months away from the world, separate and afraid. In my book, Surrender, I write about the moment when I fell to my knees and gave up trying to figure things out. That very second when the world seemed insignificant and I knew that I needed to die to self and submit to the will of God, no matter the outcome. Knowing that my way was not working, had never worked, and was only going to continue to drive me further away from God. 
There were so many moments before that, through anger and bargaining and wonder, where I was reaching for him, desperate to find a fragment of hope or peace, and he delivered, even before I surrendered it all. Because when I looked out the window and saw the sunset every evening, mesmerized by the colors and beauty, I forgot where I was. In the middle of my biggest storm, I laughed and I found things to be grateful for. When we are separated from a situation or circumstance for a period of time, we can forget the true impact. But there, alone in the hospital room, I was reminded of that same feeling. And I know without a doubt that each moment I have felt alone and isolated, I felt far from home. I did not want to do life alone, struggling to navigate through difficult times, having to figure out solutions to every problem, grasping onto questions inside my mind, and hoping answers would appear on their own. What I failed to understand was that I never had to. I don't want to take away from the blessing of people. When I began recovery 12 years ago, the wisdom and guidance of those who had gone before me probably saved my life. And what an incredible gift to have a relationship where issues are discussed and worked out and problems are solved as a team. And I won't forget the moment where a previous pastor of mine listened to the depth of my personal struggles and simply nodded in understanding, reinforcing the grace of God. These are genuine blessings from our Lord and Savior. Still, we have all had moments in our lives where these blessings were not as evident. I believe that sometimes God removes those we have come to lean on so that we are reminded of whose we are, and we turn to him instead. Honestly, I wish I did a little better job of remembering to always go to him first. And when I fail to do so time and again, he gently reaches out and provides a circumstance that draws me back. How incredible. Now let's look at Luke 2 for a moment, beginning in verse 4. The Bible says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. I want to pause for a moment and take in the emotionally gripping part of the story. This young girl, feeling the intensity of labor pains, having traveled far and needing a place to lay down, is turned away, along with Joseph, probably exhausted and overwhelmed and needing rest for himself. So Mary gives birth in a barn. And after the pain and exhaustion of childbirth, her baby is born and laid inside a manger. Continuing in verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Fear not, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now we move ahead to verse 16. And scripture says, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I wonder what Mary was pondering, how she felt during this time. Shut out from the inn, fresh from childbirth and all that comes with it, and the reminder that her son, her baby, is the Messiah. What a powerful thing to even try to understand. What a responsibility and a blessing and sacrifice. So this baby, Jesus, grows up fully human with a purpose beyond our human comprehension. He experiences difficulty and trials and temptations. He performs miracles and teaches through parables and sets the ultimate example of leadership through servanthood. Jesus then makes the ultimate sacrifice, his life, after being persecuted and tortured and denied. Jesus felt loneliness, pain, hunger, everything that you and I have felt and will continue to feel until we leave our earthly bodies. Mary experienced situations where the feelings of pain and denial could have been desperate inside of her, and Jesus experienced the same. These feelings are not new to us. This is not something that you and I alone are trying to overcome. And all these feelings can leave us longing for more. But the very cool thing, if we stop for a moment and lean into the season and its meaning, is that through the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we now have an answer to this struggle. Through acknowledging that we are unable to do life on our own terms, admitting we are imperfect beings and that we have sinned, asking for forgiveness and desiring new life in Christ, we are able to experience home as perfection. I mentioned in the first episode that we do not have to wait until we get to heaven for this beautiful relationship. It will never be perfect but beautiful, for our ultimate needs to be met by choosing to believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior, allowing him into our hearts and our lives. We have everything we need right now. So how can we accept him as our partner in life? 
Years ago, locked away from everything as my life crumbled away, he gave me blessing in sunsets and random acts of kindness from unexpected people. And he had already paved a way, made a way for my release. I had to do my part in surrendering. In the ICU, he provided medical professionals with skilled hands and medication that would essentially save my life. I had to do my part in resting and allowing my body the healing process. As a child and during my teenage years, he allowed situations and circumstances that were deeply painful. I only survived these times because Jesus was holding on to me even then. I partnered with Christ when I made the decision to use those moments, that pain, to help others who have experienced the same. To declare the beauty and wonder of a Savior who brought me through and gave me new life. I partnered with Christ when I wrote my book, telling the story He created in me, taking everything the enemy intended for death and using it to bring glory to the one who gave me life. And that's what it comes down to for me. I don't need to wait for Jesus to partner with me. He's already there, waiting as the ultimate gentleman would, with arms open and love pouring out in abundance. I must be willing to partner with Jesus. This is so in every area. If I'm wanting to feel beautiful and desired, I must go to Jesus. If I feel the need to laugh or play, I must turn to Jesus. If I am longing for comfort and gentleness and companionship, He is there waiting, and I know I need to turn to Christ first. With every need in every situation, He is there with you, with me, waiting, longing for us to partner with Him to turn to him in surrender and say, Yes, Lord, I am yours. I will do my part and allow you to handle the rest. He's waiting for us to open our hearts and walk into his waiting arms, surrounded by him here, right where we stand, until the Lord comes to take us And we hear him say, welcome home, my child. Welcome home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I don't know where to begin. It is impossible to understand the depth and beauty of your love and sacrifice. You sent your son to not only provide a way for us to have eternal life with you, but to also give us a way to feel the essence of home during our temporary stay here on earth. It's beautiful and powerful, and all I can say is thank you. Thank you for every blessing, for every moment, for absolutely everything. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I cannot tell you how blessed I am to have shared this podcast series with you. This wraps up season two, and I will be back on March 4th with season three. In the meantime, I will be releasing pieces of my devotional titled Enough 
over the next several weeks, so be on the lookout for that. For updates and further information, feel free to email me at bestill.waters.ps23 at gmail.com or check out my website at www.stillwaters.ps23.wixsite.com backslash my site. I look forward to continuing this journey forward with you and have an incredible new year. God bless.